morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Uh, my name is Jonathan Rickert, in case you don't know me. I lead the Sunday service teams here at Church in the Valley. Um, and we're actually start, uh, in our second week of our message series called The Reset. Um, and what we're looking at is we're learning about two different attitudes which can really hold us back and really hurt us in life. They can just kind of drag us down, really prevent us from making progress. Um, so with having just started the brand new year, it's actually a really good time to really look at our ways of thinking and make sure that they're lining up with how God wants us to think. So last week, um, Barry kicked us off, Barry Rogers kicked us off by sharing um, about regret. And today we're going to be looking at dealing with fret. So we'll go ahead and start out by looking at what is fret? Um, what is it? According to Merriam-Webster, fret is to become worried or to become vexed. Um, and actually carries this connotation of being eaten or gnawed on. Sort of, you know, one of those feelings where it's just kind of eating you alive and chewing you up really kind of stops you in your tracks. Um, worry is something that we're all probably pretty familiar with. Um, it can come from a lot of different places. You know, maybe you're worried over your car, you know, you're having problems, or maybe how you're going to pay your rent. It might be with your kids. It might be that I'm going to go over long this morning. Worry just comes from all sorts of different spots in life. We're very, very familiar with it. Um, I know actually worry is something that I personally deal with quite a lot. In fact, this morning, as I was practicing and preparing, I was starting to get worried and kind of had to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. okay, this is what we're talking about. This is something I need to deal with. Um, now, those are all different places where we experience worry in our life. But l- let's start out by looking at, you know, where does worry actually come from? So what is the root of worry? Um, where we're going to be looking is at Matthew six twenty four through 34. Now, in these verses, what the context is, is, uh, is Jesus was talking to Israel and really just sharing with Israel, kind of going over some different areas of life and really trying to help them reset what their thinking was on those areas. So he's going over things like anger, divorce, oaths, and basically saying, this is the way that you have thought about these things, but this is the way that God views them. And in the case of our verses here, Jesus was actually talking about what is most important in life. Like, here's some of the things that you treat as most important of life, but what does God actually see as most important in life, what should be the focus of our life. And in those verses where he's talking about that, what, about that, we can actually see the root of worry come up. So let's go ahead and look at that. That's Matthew 6, 24 through 34. And it says, No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Can you go ahead and go? Thanks. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I actually personally really like the end of that verse, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. It's basically saying is, we have enough trouble today, why worry about tomorrow? Tomorrow will worry about tomorrow. So when we worry, we're actually borrowing trouble from the future. But let's go ahead and look at the beginning of these verses. Jesus is saying, no one can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And the, or, the Greek word for money here is actually mammonos. Mammonos, I think I'm saying that correctly. And what it means is it actually means the stuff of life. Actually, and quite actually, it means the treasures that we put our trust in. So what Jesus is saying is you can't trust God and trust the stuff of life, like put our trust in God or put our trust in the stuff of life. It has to be one or the other. You can only focus on one thing. So as we mentioned, really, that what's going on in these verses is Jesus is trying to reorient their thinking about what should we focus our lives on. So we have to focus either on God or on things. And we see what's the right thing to focus on is in verse 33, where Jesus says, um, to put first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So really, our focus needs to be on God, on his will for our lives and for the world, and not in other things. In verse 24, Jesus says, Therefore, do not be anxious about your life. So he's saying, okay, we need to be focused on God. You can only be focused on one thing. You can be focused on God, or you can be focused on stuff. Therefore, do not be anxious. So when we're focused on God, we're focused on the right things in life, we're not going to find anxiousness in our life. Um, But when we're focused on other things and we're trying to get those other things to fulfill us, we're going to feel worry in our lives. Um, Dr. Nathan Lewis, who's a part of our Diamond Bar campus, um, he's actually put together a diagram that probably explains this much better than I am right now. Um, So we're going to go ahead and pull that up. And it's a diagram or an equation. What it says is that perceived need plus uncertainty equals anxiety about the future. So if we look again at these verses, Matthew 6, 24 through 34, we see this equation being played out. The people of Israel, what they were concerned about is they were concerned about food. They were concerned about drinks. They were concerned about clothing. And what was happening is that their minds were being taken off the things of God. They were trying to serve things. And God was saying, you can't serve me and serve things. So because their focus became on these needs of theirs, And with the uncertainty of the world, not knowing where they're going to be able to get these things from, you know, where they're going to be able to get food, where they're going to get clothing, what resulted was anxiety in life. Um, I know, you know, in my own life, I see the same sort of equation being played out Um, with work. I actually recently discovered I was giving too much time and too much effort to work. And so, you know, God really convicted me of that. And as I've started to step back from work, worry has actually been something that started to pop up. And what the worriness really is, is that I've been trying to get fulfillment out of work. So my perceived need is fulfillment. I want to find fulfillment in life. And because of that, and because I was uncertain how work was going to give that to me, I was experiencing worry. You know, you may see this in kids as well. 
Christmas morning, you know, kids may be worried, am I going to get this present I really want? You know, I don't know. I don't have control of whether I get it. You know, my life is going to end if I don't get this. But what they're really looking for, their need that they're searching for is happiness. Um, so the perceived need is happiness. And what the problem is, is that they're looking at the wrong place to get that. Instead of looking to God to find that thing, what they're doing is they're looking to something else. They're looking to that stuff of life. They're trying to serve stuff instead of serving God. Um, and so what happens is that because of that, because of the uncertainty of life, worry comes up, we're focusing on the wrong things, and then we get held down in life. Now, there's really two underlying questions, um, two underlying things that take us away from focusing on God, that cause us to move towards the stuff of life, that cause us to try to look towards that stuff to meet our needs, those perceived needs. Um, the first of these underlying questions is, will God rip me off? Is often as we go through life, we're really asking, we, we know we have these needs. We have the need for happiness. We have the need for fulfillment, for joy. And we start to ask ourselves, you know, is God really going to give me this? You know, if I follow him, am I going to have a good life? We may not always put it in the terms of, is God going to rip me off? But through our lives, what we do is instead of trusting in God, is we look to other things to try to fulfill our needs because we're not completely certain that God is going to give those to us. We'll go ahead and look at God's response to this shortly. The second question that we have is, is God able to take care of this situation? We're not always sure whether God is able to work in our situation in the here and now. You know, we may look at the Bible and say, okay, well, we know that God worked in history, but can he work in my life? You know, can he work in my situation at work in order to meet my needs? Can he really provide me with a job? Can he make my car work? You know, maybe he looks at the big picture, but does he look at the, does he, does he really watch me? Or maybe, you know, does he go to the restroom and sometimes just miss some things? You know, we really ask that question, is God able to take care of this situation? So these two questions are really underlying behind that perceived need plus uncertainty equals anxiety about the future. Because we're asking, we have needs, and we're asking, is God going to fulfill those? And then we have uncertainty. How are these needs going to be fulfilled? Can God really take care of them? Um, And as you know, as we focus on our needs, as we focus on the uncertainty, again, what happens is our minds shift off of God And we look to other things to try to fulfill us. And the problem is that as we do that, anxiety or worry is the result. And unfortunately, that can really bring us to a standstill to where we're not making any sort of progress in life. Let's go ahead and switch directions. And now we're actually going to start looking at how do we respond to worry. If this is the root of worry, the root of worry comes from not focusing on God, but focusing on other things and looking to other things to meet our needs. How do we respond to that? Well, Philippians 4, 4 through 7 gives us some insight on how we can respond. And it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if we look at this verse, um, or this set of verses, there's actually two responses that God gives us to help us tackle worry. 
The first of these responses is prayer and supplication. Now, what prayer and supplication is, what prayer is, is it's really us going before God and having a relationship, a conversation with God. And what supplication means is actually means to bring a specific request before God. Um, So our first response to worry is prayer and supplication. Earlier, we were looking at that question, will God rip me off? Is he going to rip me off in life? Um, And Philippians here actually begins to answer that question. Because we are told that we should bring our requests to God. If there's anything that we are concerned about, any desires that we have, God actually says, bring them to me. I want to know what you are concerned about. I want to know what you, um, what you feel is a need. In John 10, Jesus further answers this question, is God going to rip us off? In John 10.10, Jesus is talking about the people of God, and he's referring to them as the flock of God, basically sheep. And that he is the good shepherd. He is the shepherd who is going to take care of the flock of God and watch over them. Whereas thieves are going to come in to cause problems, he actually watches over us. So if we look at John 10.10, it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So God actually wants us to have an abundant life. Is he going to rip us off? No. He wants us to have an abundant, a full life. Now we should take a quick check here. That doesn't mean that we're going to be living the life of the rich or famous and that next week you're going to see me driving a Ferrari to church. Like that's, that's not the way that God operates most of the time. He may give you those things. But um, the underlying needs that we saw earlier, those underlying needs for happiness, the underlying needs for fulfillment, for joy, those things that we look for in riches, in fame, in stuff, those things that we're looking for, God will give us an abundance. So God will give us an abundant and a full life. We'll actually be able to have a really good life. Matthew 6 also further answers that question of was God going to rip us off You know, God talks about how he provides for the birds of the air and for the flowers of the field and that we are so much more important than these things are. So if he provides for these things, which are really just temporary and of little meaning, how much more is he going to provide for us as people? So he really answers this question through prayer and supplication. He's really saying, again, if you have a need, if you have a desire, bring it before me. I want to know. I want to take care of you. So prayer and supplication is really our first response in handing over worry to God. The second response we have is thankfulness. Now you may be asking, okay, well, okay, thankfulness, what should we be thankful for? And there's actually two major areas that we can be thankful for. First of all, we can be thankful for what God has done, and then we can be thankful for what God is going to do. In regards to what God has done, if we just look at our own lives, we look at how God has fed us, how God has clothed us, Um, he's provided, you know, our ability to work, our ability to breathe right now. You know, he's provided this place for us to meet. He even provided his son to come down and die so that we could have a personal relationship with him. So if we look through our lives, we can find that there's actually many ways that God has continually provided for us that we can be thankful for. Or if you're having some trouble thinking of different ways, you can just actually spend some time reading through the Bible and seeing how God has interacted with people across history to try to help know the world, who he is, and know that how we can have the best life possible. So through those things, we can be thankful for what God has done. 
Second, we should be thankful for what God is going to do. Again, he said in John 10.10 that he wants us to have an abundant and a full life. So we can be thankful for the fact that God wants us to have this type of life. We can look at Matthew 6, that he said that he's going to take care of us. And we can be thankful for how he's, for the fact that he is going to take care of us. So previously, we were also looking at that second question that said, you know, does God have the power to work in my situation? Can he really work in what I'm dealing with right now? And thankfulness is actually really an answer to that. And the reason for that is because thankfulness helps us to see the faithfulness of God across time. Not only the faithfulness of God, but the power of God. If, power, if God has the power to split the Red Sea, to you know, slow down time so that a day is longer, he has the power to work in your situation right now. God has had influence over the creation of the universe. He's influenced nations, and he's also worked in the lives of individual people. And so as we spend time in thankfulness, we're able to see the faithfulness that God has never been unfaithful, but that he has worked in every situation through time. And therefore, he has the power and the ability to work in our situation right now. Maybe your response is, okay, well, he worked then. Well, what about now? Um, Philippians 4, 5 says, let your reasonableness known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is working here and now. It's not that the Lord did work and now he's sort of just gone off to play golf for a weekend and, you know, we're just going to have to deal with it. But the Lord is at hand. He is working in the here and now. And so we can take confidence that the God who is faithful and powerful throughout history is the same God who is going to be faithful and powerful in our situation today. So the previous equation that we were looking at was that perceived need plus uncertainty equals anxiety about the future. And again, as we talked about, what that really is, is that when our minds shift from being focused on God, when we look to the stuff of life, trying to serve the stuff of life, the things that we put our trust in, you know, and seek for those things to meet our needs with the uncertainty of the world, what we receive is worry. Well, Philippians 4, 4 through 7 really shows us an inverse equation. It shows us an inverse diagram. I'm an architect. Well, I'm an unlicensed architect. I love diagrams, so I don't know why I didn't show more diagram here. But we have an inverse equation that we get to look at. And that inverse equation is prayer slash supplication plus thankfulness equals peace. So when we're in life and our, our focus shifts off God and we start to deal, we start to see a need, you know what? Prayer and supplication, as we hand those things over to God, that cancels out that perceived need. We can hand that over to God and trust him. I kind of wish I would have, you know, done the little check-off thing. Likewise, uncertainty. You know, you're not sure how God is going to work in a situation. We're not sure exactly how things are going to work out to meet our need. Thankfulness allows us to look at history, look at everything God has done, and be reminded of his faithfulness, that he has worked in every situation. And so by doing that, by letting prayer and supplication and thankfulness cross out um, our perceived needs and our anxieties, what we result in is we result in peace as opposed to being resulted in worry. Matthew 6.33 kind of finishes us off this um, by saying, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So as we let our minds be focused on God, as opposed to being focused on the things of the world, on looking for those things to really meet our needs, 
he will, A, give us peace, and then, B, he's going to provide us everything that we do need. So really, one of the, the powerful things is, again, we talked about, you know, our minds focus, shift focus off of God and we deal with worry. What prayer and supplication and thankfulness do is they help reorient our minds back on God. Is because through prayer and supplication, we're coming before God and asking him to meet our needs. And for thanksgiving or thankfulness, we're thanking God for everything that he's done. So it's reorienting and bringing us back to the beginning of Matthew 6, where Jesus was talking about what's really important in life. It's seeking uh, the kingdom of God first. It's really being focused on God and not trying to serve both God and the stuff of the world. So as we begin to uh, move towards the end of our message, I actually want to discuss with you a really powerful tool um, that you can use and that God has actually used throughout history to help draw us to this point of prayer, supplication, and thankfulness. Um, And throughout the Old Testament, God actually called the people of Israel to remember what he was doing. It's actually a really important theme in the Old Testament. Um, God would set up festivals such as the Passover feast to help the people of Israel remember the Passover, remember how God had delivered them out of Egypt and out of slavery. Um, He also set up monuments, such as in Joshua 4, it accounts that when the people of Israel crossed over the Jordan into the promised land, that they were commanded to set up 12 stones, one stone for each tribe of Israel, so that in coming future generations, the kids would look and see these, you know, pile of 12 stones sitting there and say, well, what does that mean? And the parents could tell them, well, this is because uh, God brought us into the promised land. They also used, you know, had place names that they used as remembrance that would remind them of what God had done at that place. So an example of that to today could be instead of me calling our house, you know, home, we could call it the house that God provided despite others bid more. Because in our situation, we weren't the highest bidder, but God provided our house to us. And that would be a great reminder if that's how, you know, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to the house that God provided because we, you know, despite others bid more. That's a great reminder day by day that God was the one who provided that place for us, that God can work in our situation. And to remind me that I need to bring any new situation to him and also to be thankful for how he's worked in the past. You know, my sister likes to name her cars. I don't know for all those people out there who like to name their cars, their computers, but you can name it such as God has worked in that object in your life. But this idea, this theme of remembrance in the Old Testament really was because God knows how easily our hearts and our minds slip from him to the ways of the world and the things of the world. And those remembrances are set up to help remind us and help draw us back to God. They help draw us to prayer and supplication and thankfulness so that we can experience peace. We can experience the good life that God wants us to have. So I'm going to go ahead and invite the band up as we go into our next steps. Um, one of the things we have in next steps in, here in Church in the Valley is we really want people to learn from um, what we're talking about. The, the blessing of God's word really comes in the application of it and not so much in the hearing of it. And so really we set up next steps as an opportunity to help you think of something that might be worthwhile to apply. Now I I brought up the whole point about remembrance. Something that I think could be a possible tool, a possible next step is to go ahead and set up a visual reminder for you for the new year. It could be for the new year. It could be for a week. And that that visual reminder could be used for is to help you turn from worry 
towards supplication, towards thankfulness, towards God's faithfulness. So it could be something you stick in your pocket, something you stick on your mirror, but a visual reminder as the people of Israel had that reminder to bring them back to what God had done and what God will continue to do. So that could be possibly one next step you take. Another could be thanking God for everything that he has been doing in your life. Um, You know, as we talked about, God is constantly working through our lives. So just taking some time to really sit down and think how he has been working in your life. Finally, you could also look at a worry that you're dealing with right now and actually try to see, okay, what's the perceived need? I'm worrying about work. Well, what's the root of my worry? Am I worried about happiness? Am I worried about fulfillment? You know, what is that worry? And then give that to God. Really just take some time giving that to God, you know, really handing over the worry to him and then looking to him to go ahead and fulfill what your need is. Well, thank you, everyone.